So I find that I'm much more spiritually attentive when, when everything is not going well. When everything's going well, I'm sort of on cruising altitude. But when things are not going so well, so well, uh, if, I'm, if I'm wise and I'm being humbled by life, I, I, I really want to put on my, my hat with the uh, aluminum foil antennas. I want to start paying attention. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Bishop, this week's devotion is called Undoing. It was inspired mainly by Naomi and Ruth, and you said Naomi and Ruth's undoing eventually became the circumstances for their hallelujah. So I'm wondering if you'd like to say more about your thoughts about how God is in our undoings. Oh, sure. Of course. This gets tricky, right? Because, um, uh, well, whenever we start talking about our undoings, that's the stuff that befalls us, right? Um, uh, You know, difficulties, hardships, uh, sometimes maybe even catastrophes, brokenness, all those sorts of things. What what we want to be careful about is, is that we want to say that God is not so, sitting somewhere as a puppet master making these things happen. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what we are saying. Certainly, that's not what Naomi and Ruth's story uh, is saying. What it's saying is, is that life happens, is what it's saying. It's saying that, that Naomi and Ruth uh, were um, both wives uh, and their husbands died. And uh, they experienced simultaneously uh, economic vulnerability. Uh, and, and nowhere in the story do they blame God for that. But what they do uh, is they find the fact that uh, they find out that God is, in fact, a resource uh, as life is happening to them, as they are being undone by various things. And, and the genius of God, and this is why we commend God, and this is why we point to God, is, is that somehow we know that God doesn't cause everything, but God can use everything. Somehow we know through the eyes of faith that God is bigger than all the things that would undo me, even death, even death. So even though my physical body, right, is being undone, even as we speak, right, um, because of the way that we are, because of what flesh and blood is, somehow we know, we believe that even in, uh, in my physical undoing, uh, I will be moved to a place. I will be moved to a reality where I'm in the near, dear presence of God. And in that presence, there is joy. There are loved ones. There's no hate, fear. There's no isms of any kind, but peace and peace abundant. So, so, so that is what it means to live with God, that even though life is happening to me, somehow I am not left bereft of hope and help. Hmm. Well, Bishop, uh, your message really hit home with me this week, and I'm trying to like fortify myself for this. One of my best friends, the girl who stood as my maid of honor, someone Brene Brown might call one of my people, she, she lost her younger brother after a very hard but very brief battle with leukemia. Yeah, He was happily married with two children, had just turned 40, 
And within a week and a half of intense praying, pleading, and negotiating, uh, that family had to say goodbye to their brother, husband, father, son, and friend. Yes. And so I'm wondering, how might you address people at their lowest, being able to come alongside them in their pain and undoing? Yeah, what message well, I, of hope would you share? Well, I mean, first of all, that's, that's hard to watch, uh, you know, someone you love go through the loss of someone they love mm-hmm. and, and that they have no power over any of that. Um, and it's just happening to them. This, this undoing is happening to them. So the first thing I want to say is, is that uh, a part of us being alongside of people when things are, are coming apart is to acknowledge and legitimize the fact that these things hurt. I mean, I think what we don't want to be as people of God is, is people who just are people of a thousand platitudes, right? Because even though they're well-intentioned, they, they often miss the mark and even, and, and even can do damage, right, to people's belief. Uh, I'm, I'm always so sorry to hear people say, well, you know, your loved one has died because God needed an angel. Uh, and I understand they, they, <laughs> they, they're well-intentioned there. I understand that. And I, I think they're trying to show love and care. But, but oftentimes, that, that just some things like that just miss the mark. So I, I want to, when I get beside people who are having these kinds of experiences, I want to just acknowledge that this, you know, we cry because we love. We're made for love, made by love. And so when someone we love uh, dies or someone we love loses someone that they love, uh, we get beside them, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, in the truth of that undoing, right? Uh, and sometimes the best witness we can bear to God is a calm, steady presence alongside of people. Uh, and we can be praying all along and we can be waiting for that moment. I mean, that's one of the prayers that we should pray more often is that God show me a moment in my relationship with someone who's, uh, caught up in loss where I can actually, uh, position in that beautiful moment, a word of encouragement, because there's nothing better than a good word at the right time. And sometimes we've got to sort of fend off our own anxiety, right? Uh, in, you know, sort of forcing a moment and gracefully wait on a moment to say a word, you know. Um, And we see this in in countless biblical stories. Jesus does this at the death of his friend Lazarus. He's off doing whatever he's doing. He he doesn't show up for four days. And then uh, right in the face of all of that, the grief, the tears, etc., he has a right word in the middle of all that tough thing, and it turns the day around. So I would say that. I would say be beside people in their undoing. Acknowledge that people are being undone by life, and that this happens. And that, you know, bracing and stiff upper, upper lip are, are fine, but they are short-term strategies, right? I think because we, what we, if we, we find that we, we brace and we brace again and everything is an excuse to brace, then I'm worried about uh, the numbness that can come with that. The numbness that can come with that. In the meditation, I talk about bracing being a short-term uh, strategy, Right. Um, but a, a long-term liability in that strategy is, is that may make us somewhat less sensitive. It might make us more wooden, uh, if you will. And so, and so uh, what's hard uh, when the undoing seasons come is to do this, uh, what we might call a spiritual uh, yoga move, right, in the face of all this. So as I'm being undone to, to wonder with God, uh, how might I be more sensitive to the movements of God in this season? Does that make sense? I, I, I think that in Naomi and Ruth's grief, right, Naomi does something extraordinary, 
right? She's tending to Ruth and Ruth's grief. She's being strong and, 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 and sort of quietly beside her. And at the same time, what drives Naomi through the whole story is, is that she has heard about God blessing God's people in another land. And so she is actually being quite sensitive to the movements of the Spirit in the midst of her grief. And that is what drives her through. And that is the counter-cognitive pe- thing that I want to sort of raise up for people, which is, you know, the Bible says a broken and contrite heart is, you know, there, that's a resource, is, is, is that you and I sort of come off our high horses, you and I sort of, you know, are being humbled by life, but, but not just to our, you know, diminishment, but so that perhaps there's a way to see from that vantage point. And what we can see is, is there's new newness in us to be willing to find out what God is doing when we're being undone. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I find that I'm much more spiritually attentive when, when everything is not going well. When everything's going well, I'm sort of on cruising altitude. But when things are not going so well, so well uh, if, I'm, if I'm wise and I'm being humbled by life, I, I, I really want to put on my, my hat with the... Uh, Aluminum foil antennas, right? Paying attention. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> I want to start paying attention. And, and, and if we don't do that, what can happen is, is that we just get into this despair place. I call it the cul-de-sac of despair. And, and we don't have any antennas up. It's just, you know, we are hurt legitimately. We're sorrowful legitimately. But then when it becomes despair for a long season, then I worry about it because then we get stuck in self-pity. And we're not spiritually sensitive and self-pity. Naomi could have done that. She could have done that, but she didn't do that, right? She was able to navigate that terrain. All right, Bishop. Well, friends, we'll be right back after a short break. This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening to Four People. This episode is dedicated to the memory of and in celebration for the life of Bradley M. Anderson. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, in your devotion, you also mentioned something about the trickiness of knowing where to stand spiritually in their seasons of undoing. And so I'm wondering if you can share some further insight into that. What's tricky? Yeah. So if God doesn't cause everything, but God can use everything, right? So then now we have to sort of find a place to stand spiritually where we sort of know how to partner with God in the undoing, right? And so so sometimes what we want in those moments is a full resuscitation of life as it was, right? But, but how God uses things sometimes is not the full resuscitation of the way things were, but this new adaptation, right? And so out of uh, the forest fires that come to our lives sometimes, God wants to not just replace the forest, but add a new, several new species to that forest, right? New resiliency, new insight, new grit new faith, a new depth of faith, new illuminations about who we are, what is life, who is neighbor, etc. And so the tricky part, and while we have to just sort of, in the midst of undoing, try to also be spiritually sensitive is, is that we don't want to be praying, 
Lord, reestablish my life just as it was. But we want to pray, Lord, have your way even now. And so we compound, uh, you know, the difficulty of being an undoing season in a not knowing season, right? And so I don't, I've been undone by life, you know, economics, physical hardships, you know, bad report from the doctor, relationship breakups, you name it. And now also, I don't know how to proceed. That's the humility that is like a magnet to spirit, right? If we rely on God in those moments. So here I am, God, all this stuff has happened to me. This whole thing is getting burned down. How can I serve you even with this? So it's that wonderful genre of prayer, oblation. In our Episcopal tradition, we have seven genres of prayer. And the two that we use the least or formalize in our liturgies the least are adoration. I want nothing from you, God. You're just altogether wonderful. And oblation. Here I am, God. I'm yours. What can I do for you today? Right? And so spiritual, an indicator of spiritual maturity is, right, is that even in the midst of undoing hospital beds, uh, you know, God forbid, divorce proceedings, economic uncertainty, upheaval of life, global pandemic, right? It is to be able to pray even in those seasons, loss of a loved one, uh, even in those seasons, Lord, what can I do for you even now, right? It decenters us and recenters God. And so that is the best way to use undoing in all of its forms. Naomi, again, does this. Naomi gets other-centered really fast, right? She can't give her former daughters-in-law a new son, right? She says that in the Bible, right? And she doesn't know. She, she has, she's experiencing economic vulnerability herself. She has no clue about what to do. All she knows, and she has heard that God is blessing God's people. And so she's just, how can I position myself, right, to be in some kind of alignment with that? And she could, in the story, just tell, uh, you know, Orpah and Ruth, her, her daughters-in-law, you guys just go for it. You know, God bless you. Go get your blessing. And she does, in fact, say a version of that. But Ruth uh, has this wonderful, sticky family love, and she just stays with Naomi. And Naomi begins to decenter herself, uh, herself and tries to get Ruth her blessing. And so can we stay other-centered in undoing, and can we stay God-centered in undoing? That's the best course. Hmm. So when I think of undoing, I think of trauma, that something causes the undoing. And in Valerie Carr's book, See No Stranger, she talks about the importance of grieving, uh, especially when we've experienced trauma, and especially in community. So grieving personally is important, yet grieving in community with others is really, really important. Like she said something like, for a person to not take time to grieve is tragic, but for a nation to not grieve is catastrophic. And of course, she was referencing the attacks on 9-11 when our country was very quick to go to war, but we didn't take the time to grieve as as an entire country. Um, And so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about how the church might come alongside people in their pain and undoings? Like, how can we as a body of faith come alongside one another when we're going through such a crazy time as this that we're in globally? Yeah, well, I mean, it's in the story too, right? So 
So it takes extraordinary spiritual maturity to create a space for grief. And, and culturally, uh, you know, uh, we don't like grief very much. You know, in, in, uh, in, in America, you know, we, we get off early maybe to go to the funeral and, uh, you know, have the funeral and maybe have a, a gathering, et cetera, and maybe have a spread at the house. And then it, we either expect of ourselves or are expected to be back at our desk, you know, in a couple of days, you know, and some expectation uh, by ourselves or others that we would be sort of at full capacity in fairly short order, right? Um, and, and we have to ask ourselves, you know, what lasting damage does this do? You know, what lasting damage does this do? And I think as a, as a nation, we have also, you know, taken up this practice. We, we, have, we have prided ourselves on our productivity and, uh, and, uh, and certainly I'm a proud American, but, you know, uh, to what, you know, what is the liability uh, side of things when we have chosen productivity over some of this other stuff, which is acknowledging loss, uh, acknowledging some of our, uh, the times as a nation we've missed the mark, um, sometimes in our history when we have crushed other groups, um, you know, to serve, to serve the God of productivity, um, you know, and so I, I think when we, we don't figure out ways to do that, um, uh, it has a lasting, uh, it, it leaves a lasting spiritual mark on us. And it lowers the ceiling of, of spiritual maturity. It lowers the ceiling of neighborliness. Uh, and I think it actually lowers the ceiling on genuine hope. Because the truth of the matter is, and I think this is one of the best gifts the church can give the world, is, is that we acknowledge that our, our uh, risen and living Lord first was betrayed, uh, arrested, flogged, um, uh, you know, run through a kangaroo court, uh, and then lynched in front of his mother. And even when he resurrected, even when he was resurrected by God, he showed up at his friend's house uh, with holes still in him. And I, I think there's a lesson there. I think there's a lesson there. And, and I think that as a culture, and perhaps even as a church, as a church enables this behavior, you know, we would rather, you know, quickly do a makeup job over Jesus's thorn marks and his nail holes and, and sort of say, hey, we're, we're okay, everything's good. When, because I think what, what we do this, we rush to do this because we're afraid of being consumed by grief, number one. We're, we're afraid of being consumed of it rather than actually acknowledging the fact that it is actually a step in restoration and it is actually part and parcel of what it means to have authentic hope. And all of this we see in the ministry of Jesus. He walks us through all of this. I mean, if you were writing the story of Jesus and I was, we might sort of develop some sort of heroic spiritual super athlete who was above it all and who the bullets bounce off of and who, who knew the betrayers were going to betray and, you know, rescued himself and all that sort of stuff. That's the story that society tells itself. But we tell another story. We tell a story of someone who was undone in front of everyone and who looked like a failure, Right? Uh, and yet God was able to use all of that. I mean, think about Peter that day after Jesus shows up, having denied Jesus publicly three times, right? And now he's shut up behind doors for fear. Jesus shows up at a breakfast, you know, to restore him. I mean, you know, on the first day that you were resurrected, after all the, uh, the hell of your undoing, with the first thing that you do, did 
be to show up uh, at, at the, these sort of people who betrayed you at their breakfast? <laughs> I, probably not, right? But, <laughs> but there's something about the character of God in that, that God is actively moving into all the times and ways we've been, been undone and wants to rewrite that. So as you know better than I do, Peter says, you know, he, uh, uh, he forsakes Jesus three times publicly. He denies him three times publicly. And then he gets the chance to reclaim a future with Jesus three times publicly, mm-hmm. right? I love you and I'll feed your sheep. I love you and I'll feed your sheep. I love you and I'll feed your sheep. And so it's, it's interesting how his undoing, right, led to his eventual hallelujah. And we can do that with God and God is trustworthy in our undoing. And hallelujah for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you listeners for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.